2: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation,
0: it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for For the the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Charlie, who wasn't actually technically supposed to be here with me today. Curtis was the guy that we were waiting on. He wanted to be on our signing day recap show, which is actually why we moved it back to today and didn't do it like the day of signing day. But it's all good. He had an oral argument or something, whatever people do at law school. He had that today. It got moved to today, so not his fault at all. No big deal. We're able to move things around. That's why Charlie's here. So Charlie was willing to jump in on short notice. So thank you, Charlie. I'm I'm sure our listeners appreciate it more than I do. They now don't have to listen to me talk to myself for an hour straight so on their behalf thank you for jumping in on short notice sure thing and as for the show today we are going to go ahead and just push on ahead with our signing day recap episode this year we're gonna do it a little bit differently we've, we've been getting a lot of questions for the mailbag this year so we're gonna let your mailbag questions guide us through this recap of the 2021 signing day We've got a, a nice long list of questions for the mailbag right now but keep sending those in anytime they come to mind throughout the off season we'll add it to the list and our goal is to get through all of these questions throughout the next couple of months if you just sent one in over the past month or so, but we haven't gotten to it yet, I promise you it's coming. We have not forgotten about you guys. We want to make sure to give everyone their voice on this show. Some questions just happen to be maybe a little bit more topical than others, and we want to try to cover things as they happen. So we will get to the more, I guess, general off-season questions as quickly as we can over the next couple of weeks and months. But, and really what our plan is to kind of just work. At least a few mailbag questions into probably each of these off-season episodes. I can't guarantee there'll be questions on every episode, but a lot of them. But today we are focusing all of our time on the post-signing day questions that we're sending in about this 2021 recruiting class. And Charlie, I guess this is where I turn things over to you. Where are we starting today?
1: All right. We're going to open with a question about the only real remaining target on UGA's board going into the late signing period. And that, of course, is defensive back Terry on Arnold out of Tallahassee. It was down to Bama and Georgia. And, of course, he ended up choosing Alabama. Of course
0: he chose Alabama, right? I mean. I mean, who wouldn't?
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I'm, well, you would? Right. I guess if you're a football. He's runner. from Florida. He right. plays football. He wants to go to the NFL. Wants, right. And
0: Bama just won the national title. Yeah. Yeah. But All hey, right. we got, we've got more. We've got more media playing time available. I throw that out there. That that's was kind of true. our. That's what we were hoping for. But it didn't work out that way. He had, as he said, he had to make a business decision, which I can't. I can't. You know, hold it against the guy. But so, did you read the question, or did I just interrupt you?
1: I didn't read the. Question. I
0: you did not read the question. Cause I interrupted you. Sorry. Go ahead. Jerry
1: would like to know how much does it hurt to lose out on Terry on Arnold? Is it as big of a loss as some are making it out to be?
0: Is it a okay? It, it is a loss. I would certainly prefer to have Terryon Arnold on our roster right now going into 2021 season. He's a really good player. I'm not going to downplay him and say, oh, he went to Alabama, so we didn't really want him that much after all. No, I, I wanted Terryon Arnold. I said as much on this show, and I, I wish he would be suiting up in the red and black come fall 2021. But that's not going to happen. Um, I would have loved to land him, land him. He's a really good player. There's a rawness to his game, but he's got a really high upside. He's a, he's a really big striker. Coming from, And I think he translates as a safety, maybe as a star, but he's a big striker, he's got really good closing speed, solid balls goes from my scene. But I do think there is maybe going to be some growing pains from the college level. I don't know if he's like an immediate plug-and-play type of guy. Maybe he will be. He certainly could be. I'm not going to say he cannot be but I don't know if he's as polished as some of these guys coming out of high school that can really just kind of be a plug and play, like immediate impact type of guy. Now, I do think he had more of a chance of doing that here in Athens than he did in Tuscaloosa because we just have an absolute need for that. And that's what it comes down to for me. Like some of the people that I know it's not today, but a couple of days after day. but if you look at how some people were, were talking about losing Terry on Arnold last Wednesday, when he decided to commit to Alabama, There were some people that were were upset about that. And look, I I wasn't happy about it. Again, I wanted him to come to Georgia. But I think some of the people that were so frustrated in losing him to Alabama, I think it's two things. I think it's a twofold thing. I think that they were frustrated that we lost to Alabama because I think people still view Alabama as the team that we have to overcome in order to get to the promised land and win that elusive national title. I think that's part of the fact that he chose Alabama over Georgia. And I think if he chose Florida over Georgia, it would have been something similar, but I don't know if it would have been as bad because people, I know that we lost to Florida this year. I don't. I still don't think the average Georgia fan views Florida as, as much of a long-term threat as we do Alabama because they're just not Alabama. But also, I think it comes down to the fact that he could have helped us this year, and that's where it hurts. We just have a need in the secondary right now. And I do think that in combination with the fact that he went to Alabama, that's what has people frustrated and kind of hurt with the fact that he did not end up in Athens. And it has them kind of, I don't want to say overestimating the fact that he went to Alabama and overstaying the loss because it is a loss. I would love to have this guy. But I think that's why some people are making this maybe a bigger deal than I think that it is. And, and while we do have a need in the secondary right now, we certainly do. It's not as much at safety. we are I don't want to say we're completely set at safety. Our, our depth there is somewhat concerning. But Chris Smith, Louis Steen, I feel comfortable with those guys. I don't know if there was as much playing time for a guy who I think is a true safety Maybe he could he could play star potentially, and there is a need there absolutely with Tyree Stevenson moving on. So maybe he could, he could have played star. I just don't know if he has that kind of coverage ability. If you watch his tape, he just doesn't really flash a lot of like true man to man coverage ability, which he would have to show at the next level. Now, as a striker, as a guy that can support against the run, I think he he could fit at star. I just don't know if he has the coverage skills to do that. Now, if he was a cornerback, I do think it would be a much bigger loss. I'd be more upset about it because we have to have corners. We literally do not have corners right now. I guess we have Keely Ringo. We have Jalen Kimber. I'm a believer in Keely Ringo. I need to see it from Kimber. He's a great athlete, but I just need to see him put on some weight and translate to the next level. I would honestly say that, yeah, Terry on Arnold losing him to Alabama, that sucks, and it would have been great to get him. I don't think landing him was as important as landing Nylon Green. Like, what? Th- think about how different people would feel today if Nylon Green had held off his commitment until signing day, until this late period signing day and not committed earlier. I think people would be feeling a lot better about the way this class ended. For some reason, people get all worked up about how you close. I think it's just, how does your class shape up in the end? And I think Nylon Green, as a true corner, a guy that could come in and be an instant impact corner, was a far more important recruit for us to land than Terrion Arnold was, just based on the position that he plays. So There's a greater need there. And I think Nine Green might actually end up being a better player when it's all said on the Terran Arnold. Not not to discount Terran Arnold's ability, I think Green's just going to be a, a stud for us. So I, I'm okay with it. I mean, it sucks. I, I would love to get him. But I I think while he's a talented player, he certainly is, I'm not sure he's what I would classify as a make-or-break type guy, if that makes sense.
1: All right. Well, the dogs did not end up with the number one recruiting class this year. UGA came in number three on the 247 composite team rankings. So Sam wrote that this looks like the weakest recruiting class since Kirby took over. And asked, is he starting to lose some of his magic on the recruiting trail? And is the lack of championships starting to become a problem?
0: Okay, um, Sam, I definitely appreciate the question, buddy. really do. But respectfully no. I do not think that Kirby Smart is losing any of his magic on the recruiting trail. Is the lack of championships starting to become a problem? Like, at some point, it may end up becoming a problem. Like, if you look at, at let's say, Tennessee in the SEC East, for instance. Like, Butch Jones, when he first got there years ago, he recruited really well. You're talking about all these top recruits he's getting, and the fans are playing that up, and Tennessee's back. But he did start to fizzle out as his tenure at Tennessee kind of continued because he did not actually fulfill the promises of brick by brick winning championships. He wasn't, he had never won an SEC each title. So eventually that became an issue for them because he sold them a promise. He told them a vision. Hey guys, here's my vision. We're going to take Tennessee to the top. We're going to bring them back and you're going to be a part of it. You can get on the ground floor and you can be a part of a building Tennessee back to where it should be, at least in their eyes. And he sold that vision. But you can only sell that. If you're selling a vision, if that's how you're landing recruits because you're selling a vision, then you can only sell that vision for so long before it becomes kind of stale and, and recruits start saying, well, coach, you've been selling people this for years now and it hasn't come true. I think there's a difference here though. I don't think Kirby Smart's recruiting. I don't think he's relying on selling that vision, taking George to the top. Now, is that part of his recruiting pitch? Sure. Of course, I'm sure it is. But Kirby Smart has a track record of being an elite recruiter for years and years and years, far more than a guy like Butch Jones at Tennessee, who the lack of champions did eventually cause his downfall, lead to his downfall, along with him just being a complete cornball. But Kirby Smart is just an elite recruiter. He's an incredibly personable guy. He's incredibly bright. He understands how to do this. He understands how to build relationships with people. That's just what this guy does. So at some point, I'm not going to say like we can continue to go on for the next 10, 15 years and not win another SEC title and still continue to recruit at the same level that we're recruiting right now. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think we are going to win an SEC title and a national title here in the next decade. I do believe that. We actually have a mailbag question running are going to get to hopefully in the next couple of weeks here where we're going to go into detail on this coming decade for Georgia football. So that'd be a lot of fun, but I don't think that's the issue. So I, first off, I kind of reject the idea that we're losing steam on the recruiting trail in the first place. Now, did we finish number three and not number one? Sure. But since when is like a number three class, like something to talk about, oh my God, Georgia's really falling backwards now. Like we're taking a major step back. Like we're talking about the number three class in America, guys. And, And let's put this under context too. Like this is the smallest class since Kirby Smart took over. And the team rankings, they factor in, yeah, quality of recruit, but also the quantity. It's a quality and quantity mixer That's the formula. How many guys did you actually sign? We only signed 20 players in this class. We landed four five-star prospects. So again, I, since when is a class that lands four or five stars considered a disappointment? 15 of the 20 guys that we signed were four or five star prospects. We landed an elite quarterback, a guy that I think can lead us to a national title, that quarterback that we've been missing for so long. A future first round tackle, Demarius Mims, a host of other elite players, some guys with really high upsides I think are underrated, guys like Brock Bowers, Jackson Meeks, wide receiver, is actually our lowest rated recruit, but I think this guy can be an absolute stud for us. He had a great start to his senior year before he ended up getting hurt. Dylan Fairchild, I think he's going to be a really good offensive lineman for us. Jamon Dumas-Johnson. There's a lot of guys out there in this class that are, are rated fairly high, but I think they actually end up outperforming those rankings. And the rankings, I don't know how much I trust like the individual play rankings this year because there were basically no camps, and these guys did not get to see them, whether it was at a camp, whether whether it was at, you know, the All-American games, the guys who do the evaluation in the rankings, they saw none of these guys in person. So that's, you know, you're relying on some evaluations of seeing some of these guys in person at camps, maybe when they were sophomores and juniors and that, that's something, but I don't know if we, how much stock we should put in the rankings this year. I'm sure they there it's a look into these recruits and how talented they are, but I just don't know if, if we look back in four or five years if this year's rankings are going to be as accurate as previous years. And there's always some guys that slip through their cracks here and there, but this year I'm very curious to see how it ends up because you're just, these, these guys who do the rankings, they evaluate these prospects. They just didn't get to see them in person nearly as much as they normally would really at all for their senior year. So we'll see, but I think all in all, This recruiting class was really strong. I'm personally not worried about it at all. I mean, look at, let's just take Alabama. I know Alabama, they just finished with the the greatest recruiting class of all time from a 247 rating standpoint, from like a number standpoint. But it was just a couple years ago when we had the number one, well, one of the top classes of all time back in 2018. Bama finished number five that year. Did that hurt Bama? no guys, I just won another national title. Were people saying the same thing about Alabama in 2018 as as some people are saying, some of our people in our own fan base are saying about our recruiting abilities right now? I don't remember that happening. Maybe I'm sure someone did somewhere, but I don't remember hearing that at least nationally. And I'll just say this, we are in excellent shape as a program when a number three finish in the team rings behind the two teams in Alabama and Ohio State that just played for the national title were the only two teams to finish ahead of us. And one of those teams, Alabama, just signed 27 players somehow. There's supposed to be a hard 25 cap rule now, but they've manipulated the numbers and they can get to 27, the gray shirts, green shirts, all the different kind of shirts you can get to. I mean, the fact is, over the last five years, Alabama is the only team to have recruited better than us, and only by a hair. Uh, Over the last five years, if you put put together the last five recruiting classes, it comes out to 1,569 points. Georgia, over the last five years, Fifteen forty one. Ohio State over the last five years, fourteen ninety four. Clemson, who's always in the conversation, right? Thirteen ninety eight. That's how many points they've got over the last five years. They're not even really close to us, but they just have to play in the ACC, so they're always in the title picture there, and they always have a great quarterback. So when they get to the playoffs, because they play in the weak ACC, they have a chance to win it. So no, I I am not worried about it at all. We finished on average the last five years with a second rate recruiting class and don't look now, but we're already number two again. It's very, very, very early. Don't put much stock in it right now, but it's very early in 2022 class, but right now we're sitting there at number two, which is abnormal for us. We usually don't get our class rolling into the the late summer, early fall portion, but COVID's kind of speeding things up because players aren't sure if they're going to be able to take visits again this year, so a lot of these guys are committing a little bit earlier than they normally would, so no, I, I am not worried about it. I don't feel like we're losing steam. Is like a championship starting to become a problem? Not yet. Maybe in 10, 15 years if we don't win any more titles. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So I still feel very good about where we are as a recruiting program under Kirby Smart.
1: Our next question is from our loyal listener, Cliff. He asks, how much did losing visits due to COVID-19 hurt UGA in head-to-head battles with Bama as far as the 2021 class goes? He doesn't think this is being brought up enough when you can't sell championships like Bama can to recruits.
0: Yeah. Now, Cliff, I will agree with this. Thanks for the question, buddy. I I do agree with this. I think that in this vacuum of this 2021 recruiting class, when it was new to everyone, everyone had to deal with the same things. But I do think when you can't get players on campus, that if you can just kind of sit back and say, well, look at all my championships. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw, I think it was, uh, I forget which recruit it was, but one of the recruits leaked nick saban's zoom recruiting pitch to the to uh i guess i guess out there in social media somewhere and that's basically what saban says it's like two things it's like, hey we can win titles and i can get you the nfl and that's when you can't get on because when getting to campus is a big deal guys because that's when your programs can put on the entire show that's when the personalities shine you meet all not just the coaches but you meet the players you get to kind of vibe with them you tour the campus you can follow with the campus you get to meet all the other people around the program who aren't necessarily on field coaches player personnel type guys jonas jennings for us there's a lot of people that you're going to meet that could really help win you over. And we were not able to really put that on full display and leverage what we have built as our recruiting infrastructure. We were not able to leverage that like we do in typical years. Now we had to adjust and show some things that you can do, but getting guys on campus, which has been such a huge deal for us, it is for a lot of programs, but especially for us now, we've got all these facilities that we're trying to show off or we're expanding butt's mirror right now. You can get guys in and show them that and kind of show them the plans that's tougher to do. But when you're Alabama and you can sit back and say, well, hey, don't worry about coming to visit Tuscaloosa. If you've never been here, it's all good. I'll tell you what you can do. You can come here, you'll win a championship, and you'll go to the NFL, be a first round draft pick, make a lot of money, and set yourself up for life. So I do think when you can lean back and kind of just sell that, I think that factors into some of these battles that we lost. Losing guys like, let's say Dallas Turner, for example, I, I thought that we were going to get him. So we're going to Alabama and he's going to be a, a stud. So Cliff, I think you might be on something there, man. I think that's um, a big factor in what, and not, and not just how Bama dominated everyone this year on the recruiting trail, but some of the head-to-head, the head-to-head battles that we lost with them.
2: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads.
1: Next up, Patrick says that we signed a lot of great players for the 2021 class, but you can't land them all. So which is the biggest loss out of all the prospects that Georgia was heavily involved with? Who is the Deshaun Watson of this class?
0: Oh, Deshaun. Why? Oh, Deshaun. Man.
1: Pat- Patrick. Have you ever, I know,
0: I know. Have you ever thought about Like, Do you ever like, does your mind just wander sometimes like, oh, what if Deshaun Watson came to Georgia? No. What if Derrick Brown came to Georgia? What could have happened? You don't ever think about these things, like the what-ifs of the world?
1: I mean, you can't change it.
0: No, but God, Deshaun Watson. Gainesville, Georgia, Charlie. Like, an hour from campus. Oh, man, I just, yeah. Okay, we're not going to get down on that rabbit hole. Uh, okay, so the Deshaun Watson of this class, guy that was going to be the, end up being the biggest loss. Well, I just mentioned one that comes to mind, Dallas Turner, who I, I was convinced that we were going to land... And it looked like right up to the time he committed, and I think it was in July, that we were going to get this guy. But he ends up going to Alabama. Of course, he ends up going to Alabama. Why not? And he is going to be a, I think he's going to be a dominant pass rusher at the next level. He reminds me a lot of Adam Anderson coming out of high school where he needs to add some weight, but like just his explosiveness off the edge, pass rushing ability is off the charts. I do think he is going to be Better than Anderson earlier than Anderson because he's just a little bit bigger than Adam Anderson is. I think he's got a bigger frame where he can kind of add more weight on and not really lose much of that explosiveness, which which has been tough for Adam Anderson. So I think Dallas Turner is going to be a big time player, and and we're losing a lot at that position. Obviously, we do have Adam Adam Anderson coming back along with Nolan Smith this year, but Dallas Turner, man, that would have been a really good piece to have in the pipeline there, that outside linebacker position. So maybe him, the one that actually uh, Turner would be a tough one. I'm going to go Barrett Carter. I think Barrett Carter added North Gwinnett. Another another Gwinnett kind of guy that we just could not reel in. Ended up going to Clemson. This is a guy that I was talking about probably this time last year. It's like a guy that we needed to get when we we basically did not sign. We did not sign an inside linebacker in the 2020 class. We took some big swings on some on some national prospects and and got really close with a guy like Noah Sewell out of Utah. Ends up going to Oregon to follow his brother. Got really close there, but we did not land one. So we just swung for the fences. So we didn't need a guy in that class. This year we need some inside linebackers. I'm really happy with who we landed. Xavier and Story's gonna be awesome. Smael Monin's gonna be awesome. But Barrett Carter, man, who this guy's about as polished as it gets. Like I think he's the maybe the best total package from like a polish and, and his just natural ability, like his immediate impact ability at the next level in year one is I don't want to say a can't miss kind of guy, but I think he can absolutely be a year one impact starter type guy for Clemson inside Library. Now Skolsky's coming back, so maybe they don't need him to start next year, but it's gonna be hard to keep this guy at the field. I think Barrett is gonna be awesome for them. And we needed some linebackers in this class. I'm happy with who we ended up getting, but man, it would have been great to also include Barrett Carter in that class. I think his guys would probably end up being a first round draft pick. Him and Dallas Carter, I think we'll both down the road end up being first round guys. And I thought we had a great chance. We probably finished second for both those guys, and that that kind of hurts when you end up finishing second for um, two guys. I think are going to end up being first round picks. All
1: right. Next up, Carlos asks, who is the most important player Georgia signed this year not named Brock Vandegrift?
0: Not named Brock Vandegrift. Okay, that's a tough one because Brock Vandegrift is the answer. I mean, we all saw this year how important the quarterback position is, and not just this year, but it really was kind of driven home this year. So he's the answer, but not named Brock Vandegrift. Okay, it's tough to not say Amarius Mims because he's another guy that I think is going to be – a first-round draft pick in three years. I think he's going to be a three-and-done type guy like Andrew Thomas. I think he's got a shot to come in and start next year. I really believe that. I don't think our tackle positions are firmly established right now. I know that McClendon played a lot as a freshman, started a lot of games. Down the stretch, I'm just not sold that he's necessarily the answer there. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he has a great offseason and proves me wrong there. I'm just not convinced he's the answer there at left tackle. I think that spot's wide open. So I think he's going to have a shot to come in and be a guy right away. So he would be a good answer too. But the the guy that I'm actually going to go with, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. I'm going to go with cornerback Nyland Green. And the answer is Green in my opinion because we just need him more than anyone else to be ready this year. And maybe you could even argue like for this one year that landing him was more important than Brock Vanegraaff. Now, over the next three to four years, I think landing Brock Vanegraaff will be more important. But here's why I'm going to say Nyland Green. Because we are loaded pretty much everywhere else on our roster to make a major run this year, like a potential college playoff national title run. No guarantees, but we are loaded ever. We have the quarterback. We have an, a, a great defense coming back. I know we're losing some guys in secondary, and that's the that's the Achilles heel. That secondary could be the Achilles heel, but we have a great front seven. We have a ton of skill players coming back, whether it's receiver, tight end, running back, we're loaded pretty much everywhere else except the secondary specifically at the cornerback position and that's what Nyland Green does I think this is a guy that can come in and play right away we need him desperately to be ready to contribute this year if not be ready to start right away so for that reason I'm gonna go landing Nyland Green was probably the most important thing that we did in this class outside of Brought Vandegrift but it's again tough to argue against Marius Mims that guy's gonna be in my opinion gonna be a stud all
1: right last question well it's not a question. Damien wants you to finish this sentence. Georgia's 2021 recruiting class.
0: And I finish it. I love these kind of questions. I I used to do this a curse all the time. Maybe we should bring this segment back. I used to do this all the time. Georgia's 2021 recruiting class. Finish a sentence. Okay. Georgia's 2021 recruiting class is going to win a national title before they leave Athens, Georgia. Am I crazy, Charlie? Can it happen? I know, I, you always tell me I say this every year.
1: You do. But I'm and not saying, I'm every not year. I
0: no, oh, did I, I didn't, know you were the one that predicted us to go 10-0 and 0 this year.
1: But you were the one that said, we'll get to the playoffs. But
0: so did you if we're going to well, go 10-0. Yeah, but
1: you have said it like year after year after year after year. Hope
0: springs are eternal, yeah. right? It hadn't
1: happened yet, so.
0: Well, we did get there in that, 2017.
1: That You didn't expect it that year.
0: I've said this many yeah, actually, times. Actually, okay. I think
1: you said this year was going to be the year. Well because I thought nutty. I didn't think that Cessna
0: Bennett was gonna be our quarterback, Charlie. Right. Did you?
1: I mean you just say it every year. So yeah, sure. We can go. I, yeah, with okay. That.
0: Ever since two thousand seventeen, we I mm-hmm. think that any year can be the year. We are t- we have we have the most talented roster in America coming in this year. So literally, if things just roll our way, get a few breaks, yeah, any year can problem. be our year.
1: Things don't roll our way.
0: They have, we have not to assume they have not. that
1: everything is going against you. And I'm st- and it is yeah. constantly an uphill battle. Yes. You're yet to recognize no, that.
0: No, I do recognize that. I just, I look at our roster and I say, wow, we're really good. We are as good as anyone in America, except for maybe Alabama. That's the problem. They're in our conference. You got to get over them. <laughs> no, it, it it has not cut it. You are correct there. But, and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year yet. We've got a long off season to go before I make that declaration. But, in the next three to four years, before this group's time in Athens, Georgia, the classic city, the greatest city on earth. Is, is Athens the greatest city on earth? Would you go with me on that?
1: On Earth? I we, mean it's we a both nice live place here. to live. Okay, but... not the
0: greatest city on Earth, but an awesome city.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the greatest city in the Southeast? Mm. What's better than the Southeast?
1: Well, I like New Orleans if I'm New Orleans is for fantastic,
0: but like for a weekend. Yeah. I can't you're not you're not, living in, you're yeah. not living in New Orleans. You're not living New Orleans. What else? I mean Atlanta? No. Um. We all
1: know my feelings on Atlanta.
0: Nowhere in Florida. We can't talk about the state of Florida. That's not even we do
1: the southeast i feel like it's like a different country. it's a
0: different planet
1: yeah
0: it's not a different country it's a different planet nashville your favorite city <laughs> knoxville yes athens is, is the best city in the american southeast we'll at least go with that uh not all, all off track here but before this 2021 recruiting class leaves athens georgia it will end up winning a national title that's what i'm gonna mark
1: say. his words everyone mark it down february you heard it you heard 8, it first you heard it here you heard it here
0: first february what time is it 502 p.m
2: Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
0: All right. Any more questions?
2: That's it for now. All
0: right. Well, before we get out of here, since I'm doing you a favor here, Charlie, since you joined us on such short notice, do you want to talk a little? quick Georgia tennis before we get out of here? Sure. All right. So for those of you who aren't into tennis, we said this last week, I'll say it one more time. Feel free to turn this episode off at this point. If you're kind of a football only type guy and you don't care about tennis, I get that. I understand it. That's cool. To each their own. And you can check back later this week. Curtis will be back later on this week. Uh, we kind of just flipped him and Charlie this week. And when Kurt comes back, we'll de- be- we'll kind of begin our detailed glory UGA style breakdown of all the players in this 2020- 2021 recruiting class. But we also like to give the other programs on campus a little bit of love. I'm working on a, a basketball episode that I'm going to try to get in at some point this week, but Charlie, I'm going to I'm going to do you a solid here and not make you talk basketball because I know that's not necessarily your thing. I don't
1: think thing. the listeners want to listen to that.
0: They oh, certainly do not want to hear no. you talk basketball. It's just not your thing. But since we do have you here, our resident tennis expert, let's talk a little tennis. Did you go to, you went to both matches this weekend, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, say, I, didn't see, I saw you. Flight. I waved. I waved to you, right? Yeah. I waved across. Like you're on the Social other side.
1: Social distancing. You must sit yes. on a red G. Yeah.
0: Just, and, I mean. Well, some
1: people still don't understand or just refuse. Well, when you acknowledge. say some people, you
0: mean college students. Yeah. Refuse to acknowledge yeah. and don't do what they want to. Yeah. It's so it's whatever. But all right. So the men had. We'll, we'll start with the men first. We gave the ladies. Uh, we put them up first last week. The men on Friday afternoon defeated Georgia Tech at home, five two. Nice, solid victory. Wasn't as dominant as I was hoping. But still, I mean, 5-2. That's a a big victory. Thoughts, observations from the men's match?
1: Mm -hmm. Trent Bride didn't play as well as I would have
0: We we, The the only matches we lost were on court one and court two singles. Yeah. We took the doubles point.
1: Um, Tyler Zink didn't play as well as he did the previous weekend. But he's still really young. He's basically still a freshman.
0: Yeah. Do you think his development really got stunted a little bit by losing half the season last year? Because he was starting to roll.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's a he's a really he talented wasn't player. Was playing court
1: two instead of court three last weekend he played court three, and Philip played court two. So it's a different challenge. That could be, but Georgia Tech's not a very great tennis. Their team. men's program
0: is not. Women's are different, but right.
1: But we're talking about yeah, the men. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you right? You're yeah. right. I'm sorry. But everyone else played really well.
0: Yeah, we had a few lineup changes in singles. You Blake mentioned. started
1: off kind of shaky. On court four, kind of slamming his racket into. Well, the like he he, he the lost bench. the first
0: set, and he had no like. Basically, he had no
1: business losing to this yeah. guy. So.
0: Every point he lost was yeah. an unforced error. It was nothing visibly, the guy was doing.
1: visibly frustrated. I don't know
0: if the guy hit one winner against him in the first set. Blake just was off. But then he came back and did what Blake does and just wins almost every single singles match on court four. Did have a couple of lineup changes. You mentioned we flipped Philip Henning, who's been playing court two, put him on court three, put Zink on court two. Philip had a nice win. A pretty dominant win over there on yeah, court it was three. Yeah, very quick. Yeah, very quick win. And then Billy Rowe. Uh, after clinching the match against NC State last weekend on court six moved up to court five had another win and we had Gravilius instead of Baptiste and Somo come in on court six. So a few things trying some different things out as we get closer and closer to conference play, but still a great start to the men to the men's uh, dual match season got that win against NC State top 15 win Tech's not ranked, but anytime you beat tech it's a great day in American history. So great start there. Uh, I think they have I think Another top 20 match of this weekend against UCF. We're not for some I can't figure out why, but we are not playing in the national the men or women's are not playing the national indoors. I think it's because they've cut down the number of teams because of COVID this year that are coming. I think there's only eight teams that maybe 16 that are normally there. So we kind of have the Bulldog scramble weekend or something going on this weekend. And I know we're playing UCF on Sunday, but I don't know much more other than that. We'll try to find out some more info there. But then yesterday, Sunday, our number seven ranked women's tennis team. Had the second of three straight top 10 matches early in the season here. We lost, we we recapped this last week. We lost to number one North Carolina at home last week in a total heartbreaker. Came down to a tie break on the, the this in the deciding match and in, in, in set number three. But they welcomed in number eight Florida State on Sunday. It was another thriller this time. It's way too much excitement right now for the Women's Dance Program. It's I can't, I can't take this too much more. But yet again, it came down to the last court. But this time, our ladies were able to prevail with a a 4-3 victory. Katerina Jokic on court one, getting the clutch clinch in the third set on court one. Thoughts, observations from the women's match this weekend?
1: Just the amount of anxiety I get watching the tennis teams... And it's not that the, it, they're wonderful. They're fantastic. They're so good. It's so much they're fun. They're so good. For the amount of anxiety I get and the stomach aches I get watching them, because you just don't know how it's going. My to my I, I have to
0: cover my eyes sometimes. Like, like I and I know like if you guys aren't in tennis, I understand that, but just try a college tennis match. Once things open up a little bit more, the drama is unmatched in college sports. Yeah, kind it of really I
1: mean, is. That was Court One singles, I, I my god, it started at eleven o'clock.
0: The match started at eleven o'clock. It yes. went
1: on for almost four hours.
0: She at least it wasn't singles. five hours like last year. She played singles last
1: for like almost three hours because it went into mm-hmm. the third set. Yep. It was she was rolling in the third set, but the second set came down to a tie break.
0: And she lost that and one. And she
1: lost that one, so it went to a third set, and then she realized that she didn't want to screw around what anymore. What is she? She
0: ended up winning six four six, six seven six two
1: six two. six seven, six two.
0: Six two, I think. Yeah. She Katarina, guys. If you follow me on Twitter... She you won, like,
1: me. the first four games of the third set.
0: she That's what I was going to say. Like, she played as well as I've seen her play in a while last week against North Carolina. She was playing the number two singles player in the country last week, and she dominated her. I know it went to three sets, but, like, Katarina was clearly the better player last week against, against the number two singles player in the country. She played
1: well in the first set on Sunday, She played too. well. She
0: played well in the first set. Second set, she would, she, she couldn't... Her forehand... Her, like, her, her ground strokes, she couldn't hit them. Yeah. She was hitting them into the net over and over again, and you could see she was getting frustrated but coaches did a great job, kind of calmed her down. She comes out in the third set and she was just rolling. She has, when I say the backhand from God, it is an absolute weapon. I mean, it's just, I'm so jealous when I watch any of our tennis players play, but is like, oh my God, how how are you possibly this good? She's the best singles player in America. She has been for a couple years now. I, if you had to pick one player to win the match for you, I'm taking Katarina because not only is she the best player, she's so dang clutch. It's not even funny. She, it, in the clutch moments, you want Katarina Jokic playing for you. Going back to the National Indoors a couple years ago, third set tiebreak, deciding match. Who's on the court? Core one, Katarina Jokic. She pulls it off and, and wins it. She's just so good. I can't let you get out here, though, without mentioning my girl again. You know what I'm talking about. Meg Kowalski. Meg Kowalski. Tell everyone what, what Meg did.
1: Oh God, didn't she win oh like six oh six one? It should
0: have been six oh six oh, but she she won the first ten games of the match and then yeah, ended yeah. up winning six oh six one. I felt normally I don't feel bad for our opponents because like I don't like you, your opponent, but like I felt bad for this. girl. You could just see it in her face, That's like part
1: three, and FSU was ranked what number seven in the country. Number
0: eight, we're number seven. So we're number, eight. number
1: eight. So you would think, like I don't know, maybe that girl was just having an off day, but yeah, mm-hmm. Meg was rolling. There was like nothing that poor girl could do. I
0: was so impressed. Here's why I was so impressed with Meg. Because what the reason I've come to love Meg, and I say that she's my favorite favorite current Georgia athlete of all of our sports, is because she's a fighter. She might. Not, I don't think she's the most talented player, even on our team. But she fights and works so hard. She does not quit ever. She will give you everything she's got. But this match was different. It wasn't about her. Like she beat the number six player in the country last week, having just grind her way through it. This match wasn't like that. She just dominated from start to finish. Like it was an absolutely dominant performance. So I love to see that Liama. Okay, court that's two. what I wanted to mention. In doubles, Lia Ma
1: was playing with Meg Kowalski. 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 Kowalski, <laughs> yes. Our that, resident Chicagoan. Yes, and Leah Ma is a sophomore, basically, a freshman. I mean, show. last year, they, they call her yeah. fresh because last they year They were, were playing doubles, really. and in the second game, Leah Ma had to run across the baseline to get a lob, and she pulled something. Looks like near her, groin. her groin. And she, so they took a medical timeout, wrapped her leg up. They lost like six two. She basically
0: couldn't move playing double. No, she point. she was just like standing there. Meg was, was basically two on one.
1: And so then she ended up playing court two for singles. Which I was shocked was she came out to even try. ooh, this is this is not going to be a win. But no, I actually, there was like some emotion. Which we're not used to seeing Motivation, because usually Leah Maj just kind like, of like, she kind of reminds me of like She's chill, a baby. She's from, chill, like, yeah. California, Even though she's from New York. Um, she got that just, vibe, yeah. she just kind of like hanging around, like, "All right, I'm gonna do what I do," and that's what very it's be. nonchalant person. Yeah, but she was yelling. She was. I've know. never heard this
0: girl yell in her life. No, and she it did was, multiple times. I, I was like, "Who, who, who is, who is and that?" And she
1: started moving better once she started playing singles. Once she got loose, got warm. So that was good to see. And she dominated.
0: She was fantastic, and I got to give her some credit for gutting that out because I mean, this girl was injured. Like playing the, the finish out that doubles match, she was not moving at all, really. You could see her grimacing, limping. I didn't think she would come out for singles, but she did. Not only did she come out, she was moving better, but she gutted it out. And I hope she's okay because we've got a big match, another top 10 match against uh, the Yellow, Tackets, Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. They're coming yeah, to the what town. Is that
1: Thursday? Thursday Friday? at
0: three? Like, uh, not yeah,
1: People a, can't get to that.
0: I, the tennis time is sometimes frustrating. I know there's, a lot of it's outside of their control and it's just, it is what it is, but like. Three o'clock on the Thursday But for it's
1: strange. Like, where, where is Tech going?
0: I, I, if they I totally agree. have
1: a Saturday agree. match, where do they have to maybe they have a Maybe
0: Tech is a Friday match. That's I don't know. That's what I'm
1: saying. Maybe they have to... They usually don't play back-to-back. Usually don't. Usually it's
0: usually Yeah, usually. So
1: where do they have to drive to? And, but why do they have to play at three?
0: It's also parking becomes a major issue because then, like, you, well, you have to pay to park. And if the match is at five, well, then all the parking lots are fair game. Yeah. Which is, you know, it is what it is. That's just part, that's not a Tennessee. That's just an Athens problem. Parking in Athens is I would like on to beg
1: UGA to get their parking deck um, meter thing working. Parking deck it meter thing? Oh, it's annoying. in the it Carlton Street lot. It never yes. reads my card. I have to do it like eight times and nobody wants to touch that screen. I guess I need to download the app, but I'm not smart. What, are you scared of some that.
0: like virus that could get you sick or something?
1: Okay. Even if there wasn't a pandemic, <laughs> I still would not want to touch that. It app. is really,
0: no, it's really annoying. Cause like, it won't read your card ever.
1: No. It like and, and I, I used to think it was
0: just me. And then you complained about it one day. I was like, Oh my God, it's not just me. Yeah.
1: It's like you try your card each way. You try yeah. four cards and it still won't read it.
0: Real quick before we get out of here, any concerns? We talked about all the great things the women did. Any concerns about the women's or men's programs right now? Um Heading into because Conference plays about a week and a half away. Maybe
1: is Marta gonna come back because that changes the lineup. Yes, I think that we are significantly better. Yes. She had a wrist brace
0: on. I do think we are significantly better than Florida State. We're better than beating them four three. I'm glad we won, but we're better than that. Marta, I think, changes a lot because I don't know, you put it back on court three or and move Meg down to court four. Do you keep Meg on court three because Meg's playing so well? But regardless, that solidifies our top four courts. And then what's going to happen is that moves everyone down a line, right? Mm-hmm. And so with Marta in there, I think that solidifies our lower courts a little bit because right now, and it's so strange.
1: And is Anya Hurdle sick?
0: Yeah, Anya and Hurdle did not play she didn't court play six. doubles
1: or singles.
0: Yeah, and she wasn't there at first. Then she showed up a little bit later. Um, but like think back to the, the run we made to the national title match in what, 2019, right? Our lower courts, 4, 5, and 6, were dominant. Yep. With Vivian Wolf, Elena Christofi still around on core 5, and then Mekwasi playing court 6, like, we just had that safety net there. And I'm not saying we don't have it this year, but I will, I mean, if you look at the, correct me if I'm wrong, these first two home matches against, well, I guess we also played Georgia State, but against North Carolina and Florida State, I think we have gone 0 for 6 on courts 4, 5, and 6. Yeah. Right. That's different for me, and I, I, I'm and I'm not freaking out about it because I those girls I think are really talented. We just got you know, an illness so she's been around. She's such a veteran, and she's played so well for us. So awesome. I trust her. I love her. She's awesome. But you can see, I feel like her confidence. Did you see her face a little bit in that match? Like I feel like she's not as confident as she has She's A been little defeated. A little bit at times. But she's she's a vet. She's played so much tennis for us, Tennis for us. I really believe in her. Um,
1: well, you know, she also may be kind of ready to move on. She did come back. Yeah, but yeah, you
0: know, in in COVID, like how much did you get to train during COVID? There's all sorts of things going on here. But if you bring Marta back, then everyone, then you have Elna maybe going down to Court Six. I like that, right? Then you have uh, Morgan Coppett going down to Court Five. I like that. She's lost these last two matches on Court Four. I like her in Court Five. Then you have Meg or Marta on Court Four. All of a sudden, I think our lineup takes a lot better shape, and I feel a lot better about it. I still feel great about the lineup. It's just different because we were. It's like it's almost like I counted Courts Four, Five, and Six to always be wins two years ago. And now I don't know if I feel that way right now, but our top three courts, I feel awesome about, which I felt always felt great about Cat. But in that run in 2019, I felt better about our lower courts winning than courts two and three, which is a little bit different this year. So, So we'll see how it all plays out. But one thing I will say is that our women's team could not possibly be in better hands. Coach Wallace has been doing it at an elite level for what, 36 years, I think now. And Coach Drake Bernstein, the assistant coach, has been doing an awesome job since he's gotten promoted to that role. So they are in absolutely outstanding hands, and I fully expect this team to be right there contending for the whole thing when it's all said and done. But all right, guys, that does it for State here on the Glory UGA podcast. Curtis will be back with me later on this week, and we will take more of a deep dive into each of the 20 prospects in this 2021 recruiting class. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. So check back with us later this week. And we're also going to try to get some basketball talk in here. We've had actually a lot more interaction with with listeners on social media about basketball than we have, I think, in any of the past, I don't know, three or four years we're on a little bit of a winning streak, which is nice. So we'll, we'll talk some basketball. We'll try to get that done this week for you guys as well. If not, we'll definitely do that next week. So a lot of stuff looking forward to, but thanks for listening guys. We always appreciate it for Charlie. I'm Tyler and as always go
2: dogs.